Hey, it's Paul. And Shamina. And welcome to Head Boss in Charge. Okay, we can work on that. That's a little, you know. Got it. Uh, uh, right. Where's my harmonica right? when I need to be on, on key? Right? <laughs> right? I'm saying. Uh, how you bossing? Um, that is such an interesting question. Uh, overall, in the grand scheme of things, I am doing fine. I have had a doozy of a few-week period that has been annoying, stressful, and I will get more into it. Not terribly into specifics because... I actually require my job um, required to have one so I can pay bills and live and do the other things that I want to do. But at minimum, it has been emotionally taxing. And so I will just leave it at that for now. And we'll get into a little bit of that later. So I don't have, I actually don't have much to say, which is kind of surprising, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to get into it in a little bit. Um, Dang. You don't even want to know, or maybe you do. So keep listening. So how you bossing? Well, I am currently on this call with a blanket over me because it's so cold in my apartment. What happened to the temperature today? It's uh, all over. It's much like the current administration. It doesn't know what the fuck it's doing. But anyhow. <laughs> right. One day it's 85 degrees. The next day it's winter. Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, um... I am in good spirits. Um, uh, the fa- my most favorite part of the year has arrived, which is the end. <laughs> <laughs> I like how it's May and you're like, the end of the year. Right. And, you know, for you non-education folks, uh, May is just a cumulative time for us to just wrap everything up. But what I love about my job is, that's really unique, is we we turn our entire um campus into an art gallery and we host art shows all around the city uh and so i'm in a unique area of the school where all the disciplines under my purview um they're so different from each other that they put on their own shows outside of what the school organizes um and so uh throughout the week you know i'm just visiting eight different art exhibitions and just really seeing the work um that is being um posted by the students, whether it's thesis work or work that they want industry people to see. Um, We get a lot of folks from industry, the tech industry, um, Silicon Valley, coming to these shows because of our connections with the faculty who work at these companies. And it's cool, you know, you see students um, in front of their art exhibit or their display, they got business cards ready to go. Um, And it's moments like this that reminds me why I do what I do. You know, I primarily work with our instructors. I'm a little bit removed from students, but it's cool to see the productivity of our, uh, what our faculty um, are offering to our students. And then of course, what the students are putting out into the world. And so um, uh, after graduation's over, things will be relaxed. Uh, There'll be uh, quite a few office celebrations in the next week, (laughs) which are always fun. Lots of booze, lots of food. Yeah. That, that's free. You know what I hate about that? I love it and I hate it, but it's like that and like the traditional like Christmas time, December, where people bring out all the food as though we haven't wanted to eat all year. 
we could have been eating and drinking like steady throughout the year, but you want to pile it on right before summer. And so if you're trying to get that workout body and be tight and whatnot, like you're fucking with my vibe. Like then I have all these decisions and choices to make. Um, but by no means do I want to be ungrateful, but I just, people always like, let's have a potluck. Let's have all this food. I was like, I don't want all my pounds like at this time. (laughs) Right. Can I spread them throughout the year, please? And thank you. Yeah. I, when I think about how much money, um, our division is spending on food and beverages. Oh, I mean, we prepare for it. But the the margin that that we uh, we pass for this is unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, we, we we don't have a auxiliary services or a catering company in the school that provides all of this. So our departments shall sh- you know um, push out money for their own booze, their own food, and everything else that comes with uh, catering an event. So uh, it, it's. Damn. It's a lot. I can't even imagine. Yeah. But other than that, uh, I'm on the countdown. Exactly two weeks until I'll be up in the air, flying to Iceland and then Amsterdam and Berlin and all those great places. I can't wait to hear about it and then to see pictures after that. So we've got a little bit of time, but I'm excited for and with you. Thank you. All right, we will be right back. Okay, so water cooler talk. New new week, new topic. What do you got for us, Shamina? So I have been, as I just mentioned, I've been in a place of uh, frustration, perhaps a bit of struggle. Um, and it's all around this thing called, um, I didn't create the title, so let me not try to take ownership of it, but um, emo- the emotional tax. Um, and when I say that, I mean, uh, and I'm talking specific from my vantage point as a Black uh, gay woman, um, but I will just go with Black and woman at this point. I can't, I, I don't have currently the capacity to throw in another identity. So I don't deny that, but I'm like, this is kind of the forefront of the lens that I'm looking at. So I've been doing some reading about this. Um, and so I found an article on HuffPost that's pulled from Catalyst. And we'll include the, the links to these in the bio. Um, that generally uh, is kind of like, I can't remember the movie where they were talking or a TV show. They were talking about the black tax. Have you, can you recall that at all or heard of it? No, I actually haven't heard of that uh, coined expression before. Oh. Um, well, I don't know if it was coined. It was off some probably slightly urban movie, but whatever. Um, but the emotional tax is essentially, um, hold on, let me find the, a, a bit of a working definition. Um, uh, it's, it's essentially falls into the Black women um, or insert marginalized groups, marginalized group title. Uh, having the feeling that they need to work harder and be better than um, other teammates or other people that they work with. Um, so this article says, and I'm just going to read it, quote, um, Catalyst found emotional tax can negatively impact health and success. About 45% of Black women and men who feel felt different due to their race and gender had sleep problems, and 54% of those who felt different on both 
felt that they had to be on guard for potential discrimination and harassment or discrimination and bias. Um, and there's also kind of a self-policing in there. And I found myself in the last week or two, I'll say the last month or so, kind of policing my own behavior and my interactions with people. And that's, it's, it's become really kind of a protective piece. Um, cause I don't want to say or think that people are trying to come for me or anything like that. Cause I don't, um, but I feel like I have been being tested by people, the universe. I'm not quite sure. And I feel like I've certainly had my guard up with regard to like everything I have to do has to be perfect or else someone's going to be like, you didn't cross the T the right way. This is invalid. Um, so I'm feeling the kind of the weight of that. Um, and a, a lot of these interactions, just to be real honest, have been with white folks um, and just like the questioning and the barraging and like the the defending of the work, my work that I have to do. Um, and frankly, I'm fucking tired of it to be just to be real honest about it. And so it's, it's starting to weigh on me in terms of you know, trying to relax and not be involved in the, like have my mind occupied when I get home. But there's, there's just such a real tax that comes along with showing up and being black at work in an environment where, um, or I say, I don't want to even say environment, the folks that I come into contact are, uh, they walk in adversarial, they walk in with a tone and tenor that is rude and or disrespectful and oftentimes condescending. Um, do you ever feel this kind of way with either currently where you're at or like professionally um, where you've worked? Yeah, I, I, I have some other thoughts have come up um, that I think are important to preface um, before I talk about the now. Um, I, I do want to talk about where do I get my sense or my desire of wanting or needing to be perfect and crossing my T's and dotting my mm-hmm. I's all the time? Mm-hmm. And I, it definitely comes from grade school. Um, I, I, feel the, I felt the pressure a lot more then than I do now about changing people's perception of how Black people do in school. Oh, my God. Like, oh, yes. Okay, speak on it. I. I was the only person that could do it, right? Yeah. And I, I know this because I came from a, uh, you know, I, I, I grew up in New England and New England um, is known for their very presti- prestigious, prestigious education school system. Um, and so that was the outer pressure, the general pressure of just needing to do well, be in the top performing p- part of your class and go to the top schools. And then within that, I went to a school that was pretty diverse, but um, they split my high school into four different levels. This was how how dis- disparate the um, academic uh, or access to, um, no, I should say, this is how disparate the, I guess, I don't want to say intelligence, but just performance levels were among students and just their um, acquisition to learning. So I would be in level four classes, which is also known as honors classes. In most schools, they only have honors classes and non-honors classes. But we had Mm -hmm. honors, level three, which was called college prep, level two, which was regular classes, and then level one was remedial. Um, And so you can imagine how those levels of education or levels of um, 
uh, rigor for classes were correlated to where you fell on the racial ladder. Yeah. Uh, so and the, so, hi- the higher the number, the, the lighter, if you will, the classroom looks. Right. Okay. So I was the darkest skinned person, and I really can only think of one other person who was a, um, a female that was also Black in all my honors classes. So I was on a mission to prove people wrong that I, I can be really successful. Mm-hmm. Um, and so because I went through 12 years of that, when I think about what you just said, um, in a way, I've, I, I've normalized that feeling of trying to be the top performer. Mm-hmm. Now it's just in me. And yeah. I, I'm very cautious of that because I think sometimes uh, that will prevent me from seeing the realities of how people may be treating me because of my skin color in the workplace. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Because now I just think, oh, it's normal. I just need to be the top performer. I just need to be perfect. Right. Uh, like, it's almost like you can't be at work to like, re- actually relax. Like I'm always like it's always it's the the crossing the T's and dotting the I's like you must be this because somebody's just waiting to like say something to try to knock you off or at least that's how I feel and some of, I think you're right some of it is an internalized like just growing up in that way of having to feel like you have to be the best at everything um, but I'm so like aware of it like if I make a mistake if I make a mistake and I know that I make a mistake. Like, I'm very quick to be like, this is the error that I made. My apologies, da 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 But it's not like I'm going to kind of skate through. And I, I hate when people do this. They're like, I'm going to skate through and see if anybody notices the error. And I was like, let me point out the error so that you can't use it against me. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I very much um, am the same way. I'm, I'm pretty apologetic, and I almost you know, crucify myself for catching oh my, my own mistakes. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's like, oh my God, like the self-esteem just goes down. Right? I'm know? like, I'm not worthy. Why do I even have this job? Who hired me? But then, you know, like supervisors, you know, I've had great, great supervisors that have been like, calm down. It's like, not that serious. And I'm like, but I should have caught that. And she, they're like, well, we all make mistakes. So you can go ahead and relax. This isn't, this isn't your last day because of this. But yeah. Like, I'm up on the cross being like, why, y'all? Just take me now. Take right. me now. Oh, um, goodness. sins are forgiven. You know? Right? Like, I'll die for all the Black people. Um, right? And it actually took me until um, I started supervising people to realize that. Um, I had an employee, um, a, a Latino man, uh, who was on the very extreme side of that feeling, like super, super apologetic for every small action. And at first it came off very humble and I appreciated it. And then it just, I was just, oh, all right, girl, like <laughs> calm yeah. the fuck down. Like this right. is too much. You need to relax a little bit and let's talk through it. And uh, when I reflect on that person and understand his cultural background, that's when I had my aha moment. I'm like, oh wait, I kind of do that myself as well, um, but not to that to that end. Yeah. Well, I wonder as I, I think about that, doing that to you know, as I like uh, again, very this is very casually said. It's probably a little callous. Like as I take myself down from the cross, um, 
I think how much more productive could I be? Like I could be doing more if I didn't get so caught up in like really what would end up being the small things. And so that I find myself frustrated. Like, why can't you just move past this small thing and not make this like monumental occasion out of it? Because you could be doing so much more. You could be taking more appropriate risks and like minimizing your anxiety. If you, if you accept yourself and realize that I too make mistakes. Oh my God. I feel like, <laughs> I feel like Rachel Dolezal when I said that, like, I too <laughs> am a black woman. Um, <laughs> I don't know why that came in mind. Only in her words, in the memes Uh, that I see. But I think about that, like, I'm so, I get so anxious about it. And I'm like, I don't even know if I get to like shine and like actually wear the crown that's made for me because I'm so aware of the potential for mistakes. Or like, did I catch something or did I say something that's going to rub somebody the wrong way? And I'm like, well, I would say this out loud if they were in front of me that I don't, they don't need to like it. They need to hear it and understand it. I don't need to put a bow or icing on everything. But yeah, uh, I get sometimes annoyed with myself. And I'm like, why the fuck am I apologizing? I see fuck ups happen all the time. And people don't say boo about that shit. So why am I like communicating, you know, that perhaps I've made an error or there needs to be an adjustment that I need to make based on X, Y, and Z. So. You know, I I do want to bring up something that I haven't um, implied um, earlier is I'm worried about myself in this ingrained way of just thinking, normalizing my behavior as needing everything to be perfect and perfect being the operative word, just being a high performer. Um, Mm -hmm. I want to go back into because I feel like you're you're still in that area where you're conscious of the possibility of what other people's perception of your mistakes would be, right? But mm-hmm. I I feel like I'm at the point because I've normalized it that I'm unable to see that or I'm clo- I'm borderline unable to see it because um I've kind of taken that race thing out because of all that work I did in my childhood. And so if someone did use a tone of I mean, I can still, I can pick up nuances, but um, if I carried on this behavior, if someone spoke to me in a tone that was uh, implying my ineptitude or maybe coddling or condescending because of my um, skin color, I think those those in- instances may be harder to catch because of um, I, I've I've I guess I've put all that pressure on myself in previous years and now I'm at this point where it's oh if I didn't do something right it's because (laughs) I didn't do something right it's Mm -hmm. not because of um potential uh setbacks due to my skin color does that does that make sense I don't know if I'm saying this right but yeah I um, think it does the caveat like not the caveat but you know how everybody's always like well the things that makes my thing special so I'm gonna say like the difference in my job is like no one comes to my office wanting to talk about shit. My office has the potential to be, um, for the most part, reactive. We're not going out looking for shit to happen, but we like. There's a lot of responding. There's some proactive pieces that we certainly do. But like, if people come to my office, they're already pissed off and nervous that they're going to be in trouble. Like that's just the baseline of what comes to my office. Working with people who you know possibly violate policy, they come in pissed off from the get go. 
Um, and they come and look, they come and looking for trouble. Let's go ahead and say that. Um, but I don't know that any, it's hard to separate those things when I see people respond to me in my blackness in one way, but then I see other folks respond to other people's whiteness and how they show up in a different way. You know what I mean? And honey, if I tell you that the amount of times that I have to hold my tongue and not say exactly what I want to say, I just have to smile and think about like, I have a roof over my head. There is food in my kitchen. My bills are paid and I am able to give back to my family. Because I I have lots of choice words. I have lots of choice words. Um, but just the way that people come and present themselves in like an, an already tense situation for themselves, I don't know. I don't often get the best of people. Um, and I also, like sometimes I, I don't have the capacity to be developmental and like have like a, a conversation with them about how they've spoken or what they've said. Because it, there's a point at which I'm like, Internally, I'm like, I'm not here for your shit. But then I say, you know, the outward me says, you know, if you're not able to continue this conversation, I may have to invite you to leave my office. That's like the that's like the professional part of me. Like, I, I'm happy to invite you to leave my office if you're not able to continue. And we can either pick this up or you can take a moment, gather yourself, and then we can move it forward. That's the that's the stuff that I have to say at work. Because I have to be on guard and like not be all of like black Shamina that shows up. You know what I mean? Like how I wa- how I would prefer to show up as myself as opposed to rolling back to the a few episodes ago we talked about code switching. Like I, ha- I have to know when to turn that on. And I because my office receives like we receive complaints and I have to hold people accountable for behavior. You know, uh <clears throat> Uh, I just wanted to share a little bit about walking into a room with my guard up. I was just trying to reflect on scenarios where that happens. Um, I, uh, I mean, in all my work environments, yes, I'm still one of very few black people. Surprise, surprise. But I've noticed that uh, my defense, my defensiveness and my guard really only goes up in meetings or uh, situations where um, I approach men. And so I guess this is speaking a little bit more to my sexuality versus race. I mean, yes, white men play a, uh, a place in that, but um, I'm very much more relaxed and willing to um, share perspectives uh, when I'm with women um, in meetings. I I just always feel have my guard up when I'm with men. I think there's uh, I do that to overcompensate anything that I feel that I'm lacking um, because I think that my sexuality is pretty visible in terms of my gender expression. If you want to link the two, mm-hmm. uh, link so it, link it. <laughs> um, so automatically, I think <laughs> people are judging me um, and thinking less of me. Uh, because I'm gay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I ha- I'm on the defensive and I'm ready to always, even if, even if they're welcoming and um, trying to collaborate, I'm just ready to provide the evidence, provide the facts. Right, here's the receipts, this, all of them. <laughs> In case you didn't uh, know, here's a packet of receipts I prepared for you so that you can review those. Yeah. Right, and here thing. are two copies of my diplomas, my master's and my bachelor's. <laughs> <laughs> 
(laughs) During my graduate program. uh, Right. I have, uh, and I guess it goes to that credibility too, is I just, um, it's, that's all ready to go. But um, I don't know, in a weird way, what does that say about me when I walk into a room with women? I don't know. Now I'm checking myself. Uh, Right. (laughs) (laughs) uh, (laughs) Because I just realized there's a, a spin on what I just said. Um, but yeah, when I, when I'm with my supervisor, who is a woman, um, when I'm with my employees or just other, other, um, constituents at the college, um, I, I feel like we can always meet halfway. We can understand our perspectives. Um, and there's no question in our our credibility or, um, level of expertise and I'm not saying all, there are some times where one may doubt the other, <laughs> but just generally speaking, that's how I see my sexuality uh, playing. Con- I'm always thinking about my sexuality in the workplace. That's funny because I, I actually almost never think about mine. Um, I think I, more so on the race piece. Um, and perhaps that's because that's the most, and I, I'm pretty masculine presenting, so I don't think there's a question of people be like, oh, she must have a husband. That probably never crosses anybody's mind. Um, and if they, if it does, they're probably not paying attention at all. But I certainly have that piece around race. And I really, kind of, as you said, in a similar but different vein, like, I wonder, I'm like, why is it, what is it that makes me not confident in those spaces? Like, what kind of internalized shit do I have going on where like, I'm still like, ugh, and I even hate to say this. So like rinse my mouth out with soap after like, I'm still looking at a level of approval from white folks primarily um, that I have to show receipts or I have to give you all of the stuff at the beginning, or I have to like give you a gentle read to know that I'm not here for your reindeer games. Like if you start spouting off at the mouth at bullshit, And I have to like real quick cut it off and like sometimes show up like a little bit extra black. So you, you know who the fuck you're talking to. I see it obviously a little more appropriate than that, but sometimes I'm like, why do I feel like I I have to do that to get credibility? Cause I don't want to be, I don't want to be walked over. And that's, that's what you're not going to do. I said that in a meeting today, I was like, well, what you're not going to do is this. And I was like, Oh my gosh, (laughs) this is like the most black moment I've had in like a while. Like, What's not going to happen today in this meeting is you talking to me like this. So you can make a decision from here if you want to continue this conversation. But I have to like, sometimes you got to turn, turn that on. Like I got to cold switch the other way and be like, oh, you forgot that this is my meet. Like I'm in charge. Like I pulled this shit together. So don't you motherfucking forget it. That's what I would love to say. But I value stability. And so I want to keep my position. Uh, right pay those bills (laughs) right but yeah sometimes i think about like why do why do i not feel confident in this area and like what has led me to feel this way like being challenged enough and sometimes it's like it's not even challenged it's just people being bitches and not wanting to accept responsibility for stuff or wanting to show up show you up in front of other people like oh i'm gonna throw this person off well fuck you because i'm trying i'm trying to be here and do good work and hold people accountable and catch them before they fuck up in like off campus where, you know, the world outside of this is not the most forgiving. Like, so yeah. But I sometimes ask myself, like, why, why do I feel this way? Like, ugh, stop doing that. 
be confident. Like, you know what you're doing. So act and go and be. But I hate the questioning myself about stuff. Ugh. Well, like, I, I, I think to maybe add some, somewhat of a response to that question, I think, unfor- and I'm not saying that Black people or uh, social minorities will always be stuck in that area. I think it, will take a, it takes a long time to get out of that, that rut or that lack of confidence. But I think sometimes asking that question is the same as, why do we have fingers? Why do we have you know, <laughs> <so> arms? <laughs> like, <laughs> no, I mean, it, it's, <laughs> no, I don't mean in terms of like, what, why is the sky blue? But it's, uh, why do we have the things that are, are innately part of us when we are born or when we're grown? Uh, I think we're socialized to think this way. And mm-hmm. we have to constantly go through these cycles uh, to break out of that way of thinking. So uh, I don't want to say we're all doomed, but I, I do want to say that I think it has a lot to do with why, uh, why, why does society put us in these boxes? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it, I'm just starting to realize how much more taxing, and I think I've been in a bit of denial about how emotionally taxing it is hence the emotional tax piece but like like how much harder i have to i i have to think about these i don't want to think about these kinds of things but like i wish there were times when i didn't come home questioning like things that i did or replaying like the conversations in my head of like could i have said this differently like how i wonder how this came off am i going to get back to work tomorrow and there's going to be a shitty email cuz someone thought i was you know being extra with them. And really like I've worked hard to be diplomatic. So it's like all these questions that I don't even think about, like how much they weigh on me every day and like how much I'm taking time and energy and effort to think about this. You know what I mean? Do you ever get that point where you're like, why am I thinking about this? Why can't I just move beyond this point? I do. Uh, I think I, I'm pretty hard on myself and um, I can get embarrassed really easily and I can get hung up on a little thing for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have a very strong internal voice and so I talk through things a lot and that's why I get stuck in it. And I, hmm, I'm trying to think of uh, moments of actualization where uh, I've realized, yeah, realization, sorry, not actualization, realization of um this is so heavy why can't i just move through uh those are really rare i sometimes am always just aware that i i keep getting stuck in those places but uh, i think maybe it takes uh for someone to affirm that i should that i should not be thinking that way to realize wow that was a really huge weight and sometimes that affirmation has comes from a white person. Sometimes that affirmation <laughs> comes from a male. And then once I feel okay about it, I'm like, oh my gosh, that was so heavy. Like my spirit and my my stress was just so heavy thinking through it. Now I'm not mm. saying I need those people to affirm that all the time, but it's amazing how much better you feel when those dominant groups confirm mm-hmm. something that you were not that you were uh, so against. Yeah. 
Well, I think that's, I was going to, I was thinking about like, there are certain people that I know that know how to affirm me well, and they may not need to know the situation, but they, they certainly can speak to like, you know, you go to a good job. Like if you make a mistake, that's okay. You're going to learn and grow from it. Like we all make mistakes. Um, But it's about really those people. For me, I think about the people who matter, like whose opinions of me matter. Like if I'm really going through it, I'll either call my partner and be like, uh, fuck all these people. Um, that's usually the first thing I say. Or I will call my mom and be like, mom, they're tripping. And then she'll like jump into a prayer like immediately. And she'll be like, father God. Um, I'll be like, well, I can't close my eyes because I'm driving and I choose to live. But there's certain people that know how to affirm you. And it's so helpful. And sometimes it's people in the workplace. Um, and oftentimes for me, it's people that I don't work with. I need I need an outside person to be like, and you are still a good person. You know what I mean? Like, not that I think that I'm a bad person because of that, but like you said, it's so. And for me, it's, it depends on who it is. It's not necessarily a dominant group type, but I certainly am like I need to be affirmed, and I have to. I'm getting more comfortable with knowing that, like, girl, you need affirmation sometimes from people other than yourself, um, because that that helps you. That helps me move through those situations i have to be like okay shamina calm down like you didn't like do you didn't break the law you didn't do anything really terrible like calm it down a notch and i need to that reality check of somebody being like bitch you tripping like relax it's not that big of a deal you'll move on and that person will move on and be just fine do you have any additional thoughts with regard to the emotional tax and uh any tips for the for the listeners about how like ways that to deal with or respond to the feeling of being emotionally taxed? Yeah, I do. This actually came um, up in a, I had a phone call with a really close friend of mine uh, who lives in New York. Hi, James. I hope you're listening. Uh, And he is, he moved out to New York to continue his and expand his career in acting. And he's, doing a great job, but we vibe really well because um, we both, you know, I may be more on the professional side in terms of uh, like operations, industry or whatever, uh, but we're both artists. And even when we talk about our personal lives, we, we still manage our personal lives uh, as if they're works of art in a weird way. So we always talk about the artist way and um, these emotionally taxing situations. Uh, we're both uh, gay men of color. And um, we were talking about the concept of being good enough, like how, mm-hmm. affirming yourself and being good enough. So we talked about the importance of um, um, having some, some sort of like rituals or daily modes of uh, mental health and wellness to affirm the way that you move through this world. Mm-hmm. So... Um, and it, something that he's done, uh, for example, is he has completely not consumed any kind of media. So not watch TV, not um, go on social media. He would, of course, just stick with his work email. Um, and he wouldn't even read books. Um, and he he equated that with like distracting you from um, really understanding where you are in your own development. And he would just do that for a week to help recalibrate. 
um, and battle maybe with those weights that we sometimes use media to not necessarily get rid of the weights, but just compartmentalize it and put it somewhere else. <laughs> um, and so just to talk, uh, talk through himself and really be 100% present to deal with the weight. Um, and I do that in small ways. Um, I can't completely get rid of all types of me uh, media, but I do that a lot with social media because I think social media distracts me from fo uh, focusing and centering my energy and dealing with mm -hmm. that weight of being good enough, not being good enough. Um, I, I've, I, do, I definitely still do my daily affirmations. Um, okay. I do them on my way to work and I do them at night before I fall asleep. Uh, what else do I do? Uh, you know, I mean, this is such a cliche thing, but I, I just, I, I still think music is a key way for me to, um, affirm who I am in this world today. Cause I just think there are a lot of songs and lyrics out there that are polit uh, politically and culturally with the times right now, um, mm -hmm. that talk about being a black person in this world. Uh, and so that's, that's also really, really helps. Mm -hmm. I can appreciate all of those things. I have found it great to have friends that are like not here and not local that don't know like the everyday like life that I live and lead that you can just kind of be in community with. Um, I find that to be extraordinarily affirming um, as most of my friends are not local, which I can very much appreciate. Um, a few things that I do in terms of like working through the emotional tax, I was gonna say the emotional tax season, that's all year long. But um, I run, um, literally like I run in terms of workout. Um, I would say I work out, I obviously work out too. Um, I think I've said that a million times so far on this in the show. Uh, but the running piece for me is very um, uh, meditative, um, even though I'm usually listening to some sort of a podcast or um, I'm listening to music. Like, that's like the very few times where I don't actually think like I'm not thinking about work. I'm not thinking about solving a problem. I'm not thinking about an interaction, but that is very much my meditative state. And I, I will forever be grateful for finding that like three years ago like just starting running and being like, that's like the one time, like an hour or two that I am not, depending on how far I have to go, that I'm not thinking. And my mind can relax and I can just let my body take me, even if I'm exhausted at the end. Um, so I, I encourage folks to like get out and move and be about just like moving your body. It doesn't have to be like, I'm going to the gym and I'm going to do this many reps, but like get out and go for a walk. Like leave the space that you're in that is, feeling toxic or um, difficult at the time and remove yourself. Even if it's, if you can only do like a five to 10 minute walk or something, move away from that space. So you have a, a moment to clear your head. Um, this is going to sound odd and really easy and I don't even do it, but I was talking to my trainer about it today and like practice breathing. Cause I realized when I feel stress and anxiety, my breathing becomes shallow and inconsistent. And then before you know it, I'm like, you know, I'm sweating a little bit and I'm getting myself worked up in that way. So I would say 
breathing is something that I'm certainly going to start to try to incorporate into, you know, dealing with the emotional text. And then to be real honest, sometimes I just need to call somebody that's not local and talk a bunch of shit. You know? So if you do that, there is nothing wrong with that. They're not going to record it. You're not putting it on like a podcast or a show. So like, if you need to have a few minutes to talk shit about whomever, then by all means do that as a way to kind of getting that stuff out and releasing it. I know some people write emails and stuff and I'm like, mm, that's too easy to write in the wrong name and all this other shit. Don't do that. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, but I think talking that shit out and being like, fuck this motherfucker. And da, 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 I think those are completely okay things to do. And I do them on a regular basis again, because, because I enjoy stability in my life. I have to do those things um, so that I don't say them to the actual person because that would not go over well. Yeah, those are just a few of the, the, the things that I had in terms of ways to work through some of that emotional tax. Yeah, I sorry, I was just also, I was, when you say emotional tax, I know we've been using the word stress, but I also mm. just want to highlight the word anxiety. I think that's really mm. real for people of color. Um, yeah. You know, similar to the statistic that you read earlier, um, yeah, anxiety in the Black community is often ignored. And yeah. I think we're still unraveling and trying to understand what that means. Uh, yeah. And anxiety manifests, its, manifests itself in different ways. And I just realized in the, you know, the, uh, the past few months, or really the past whole, whole year, because I just had a birthday, and just reflecting on the past 12 months, and um, I've noticed that I, I don't know, I, I need to think about that a little bit more and what it means for myself, because I think there may be some truth to, I don't know, I think I may have some anxiety in my life, and I don't know, I know some, some of it has to do with um, who I am. So, I don't know, that's the first time I'm saying that really out loud. Hmm. Thank you for sharing that. That was very, like, student affairs of me. Thank you for sharing that, Paul. I know that was really difficult. No, but that's cool that you can be able to, like, find a space to say that out loud. Because sometimes, even to say it out loud, you're like, oh, shit, like, I've said it out to the world. Now what? But you don't actually have to do anything with it at this point, obviously. But saying it out loud, I think it's important to just recognize and be like, I can acknowledge that those times where I feel anxious. And that's yeah. okay. That doesn't make me more or less of a person that just continues to make you human. Right. So, I don't know. Every day is a new lesson. So, mm -hmm. every day we discover. Okay, I think um, it is time for a break. All right, and so we are here for water cooler talk. Uh, so not water cooler talk, I mean, I mean <laughs> ask a boss. Uh, but we got some great feedback through um, email slash social media about how folks really liked our rapid fire. Um, we were trying to think of another game, but the rapid fire is easy go to. So we're going to do it again. Yay. Yay. 
maybe there'll be other games that we play in the future. So, um, I guess, some, Shamina, since I asked you first I'll last first. week, you can ask me first. Okay, so are you ready? Yes. Um, gold or silver? Gold. Because I'm bougie and I'm that person. I was like, that... really? <laughs> if they ever come out with like a gold phone, you know, I'm going to be one okay. of those black people that get the gold. <laughs> You're probably going to put rhinestones on it extra. Right. Because you know, um, when Apple came out with the rose gold color, I made a joke about this with one of my coworkers about how I feel like I only see black people with the rose gold. <laughs> you do. Because <laughs> we bougie like that. Like, oh, let's sell, let's upsell this and put some more. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Um, let's see. What was the next one that I had? Subordinate or dominant? Oh, uh, are, we really gonna, <laughs> are we really gonna do that? <laughs> you can take that question however you People want. Are to. listening? Okay. You took you took it there. <laughs> During the day, dominant. <laughs> Okay, so I'm just gonna leave the rest of that to that. Okay, <laughs> you were quite specific. All right then. Um, oh goodness, my next one is gonna. You gonna laugh at this one? Uh, bed size. Well, a queen for a queen. Okay. Wow. Um, <laughs> let's see. Sunrise or sunset? Oh, a sunset. That, I just, though the colors are so much more vibrant at sunset. Um, let's see. And the last one. Oh, now this one's hard. Uh, um, spring or autumn? Oh, autumn for sure. I'm an East Coaster and I just love seeing the leaves fall and change color and fall is that perfect uh mix of temperatures because during in the morning when you wake up it's crisp and cold but not too cold um but you can still see your breath in the air um uh and then right around like 10 or 11 it starts getting warm and you can take off your jacket and then it gets um nice and uh like a cool temperature in the evening. So I love that mixture in the fall. I love how rapid fire turned into not so rapid. But okay, <laughs> got you. Slow uh, fire. All right. What is my turn for you? Mm-hmm. Uh, what is your biggest phobia? Failure. Uh, let's see. Um, I don't know if you sing karaoke or not, but if you did, no, what's your go-to? What would be your go-to karaoke uh, song? Um, it would be something Beyonce. Ooh. I'm not quite sure what, but it would definitely be something Beyonce. Would it be like slow, sultry, so uh, like art, um, R and B, or would it it, be a ballad, me, or like an upbeat, upbeat? It would probably be Freedom off of Lemonade because I love freedom, that song. Freedom. Yes. Um, yeah, I just love that song so much, and I listen to it probably every day. Uh, what's your favorite plant or flower? Oh, God. Um, 
Well, I know how to kill both a plant and a flower, so oh. it short-lived. Um, I really like tulips quite a bit, actually. Uh, do I have two more or one more? I lost track. Two more. All right. Uh, what is um, your life motto? Oh, my gosh. Um... Oh, geez, that's a hard one. That's not a rapid fire. <laughs> um, I can't. You want me to take it back? <laughs> you take it back. That's uh, you trying oh, to get all deep and shit. I'm like, I, that's not rapid. Yeah, let me ask some. Okay. Um, <laughs> who's okay? Well, not me, but who was the last person who texted you? Obviously, it was me, but before me, who was the last person that texted you? Um. That's a good question. Now I gotta look. I don't know who texted me before you did. Um. Oh, it was uh, it was Roz, um, who we had on the show as our first guest. Yay, Roz! Cool. And then, uh, last one would be, uh, what's your um, what's your deal breaker? Am, am I taking this any way that I want to? Yes. Uh, what's my deal breaker? Bad teeth. Ooh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> or summer teeth. Some are here, some are there. Right? <laughs> or popcorn teeth. Yellow. <laughs> a little bit of, yeah, no. That's a good one. Because I assume bad teeth, bad hygiene, then your breath stinks, then what else stinks? So yeah, that's a, it's a trickle down effect. Literally, trickle down. segment let's wrap this up for boss ass and bitch ass of the week uh i'm gonna go first i have three bitch asses i'm just in a mood because we are just still in this topsy-turvy return of whatever planet and things are just really wacky um this is kind of old but it's it's still really funny it's Uh, hilarious i have to give a bitch ass boss to ja rule and the <laughs> planning committee for the fire festival. Spelled I'm mad that you call it a planning committee. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! F Y R E fire. Oh gosh. Um, for promoting this really extravagant, glamorous uh, music festival. Um, that was also supported by all these models and other celebrities. I guess tickets ran anywhere from... Actually, I don't even think there was a range. Like, people were paying, like, a quarter of a million dollars a ticket to attend this week-long venture, potentially meet Kylie and Kendall Jenner. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what people expected. Um, and this was supposed to take place in the Bahamas, I believe. Or Jamaica. No. Was it Jamaica? I don't know. Somewhere in the Caribbean. And folks got there and there was nothing but like sand and dirt 
in these really crappy ass white tents. Um, people were posting pictures <laughs> of their food, which was the most hilarious part. Um, pe- like two pieces oh, of Wonder man. Bread, a slice of cheese, and some like lettuce and whatnot on the side. And it was highly trending on tr- Twitter, uh, just like hashtag Fire Festival. Uh, people just really making fun of uh, <laughs> how. Well, first of all, making fun of the people that spent all this money to um, go to this festival only to get crap, and then just making fun of the uh, commodities that, or the lack thereof, that came with the ticket. So, um, I don't know who you were trying to fool. I don't know who was hired to produce (laughs) this event. They better not be hired again. Their career is probably going to go nowhere after this. I, I just, like... How, how, where did that money go? What did you do with it? Like, I, <sighs> I, I event plan myself not to that level, but, but I know how money I works. should sure as shit hope not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, how, how do you just, yeah, oh my gosh. But I'm not feeling bad for the people who bought a ticket because if you have the money to buy that ticket, you are probably some rich little white girl. Right, you're in the one percent, and there's no yeah, sympathy for that. There's no sympathy, but if you're if you're part of the um the the class action suit against Cha Rule, you're probably going to get a hefty amount of money. Right, I concur. Um, my second bitch ass boss um goes to okay. So last week, uh, the news broke out that the house passed um the uh basically um the teardown of obamacare the affordable hair uh affordable health care act which uh the new health care plan that is being proposed is now called the american health care act um that has a bunch of revisions and a bunch of things that um uh are now not considered as pre-existing um, conditions. And the list is, yeah, it, it's just ridiculous what's not considered a, a yeah. pre-existing di- condition, like pregnancy or HIV or, can I you mean... Can still breathe? Is it, is it <laughs> right. can you breathe and still get... Okay, just checking. But, but I'm, my bitch ass is not really the house. My bitch ass is people who consume media. What I'm really, really tired of is we, you know, we've talked about on this show um, how people sometimes only read headlines, but I think people, how people's inflammatory response to this news, they made it sound like it was actually a real decision. It is Mm. not. It is not a bill. Nothing has happened. All that has happened is that it was passed in the House. Now, how does a bill become a law? Well, kids, let's, <laughs> let's go back to our PBS special. It goes to the House. Then it goes to the Senate. They could knock down that shit, revise that shit, and send it back to the House. Got to pass the House, majority. Got to pass the Senate, majority. It could go to the President, and the President could veto that shit. Okay? It is not a law until it becomes a law. So stop, like, getting into all your emotions and, like, oh, my gosh, and just, like, making it into such a big deal. Now, I don't want to diminish what, how people feel about this. Like, I do want to acknowledge that 
the facts that it did pass in the House, yes, it from a subjective and political standpoint, it represents the the conservative minds and ignorant minds that are running our country. But I want to save my energy and my my um I guess uh <laughs> save my uh, also level of disappointment until it actually becomes a thing. Because I'm still hopeful that we as the American people can work with our congressmen to not make it a thing. But don't be like, you know, sliding down your your, your chair and like raising in an uproar, like, woe is me. (laughs) (laughs) I just thought of like the wet shower slide down the wall, like, oh my goodness. (laughs) It, it, It just shows you how ignorant this country is. It's like, know how our system works and like, don't get don't feed into this media bullshit because that exa- that's exactly what they want us to believe. They want us to give this more negative attention and make it feel make us feel like there's no hope. But there is still fucking hope. There's a ho- fucking entire senate. So just calm calm it down, okay? Uh all right. And then lastly, um Oh, actually, if this is not a bitch ass boss and y'all are going to be very surprised. Um, but this is, <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying this. It's to the, oh, it's to, it's to the skill rather than the person, but Kellyanne, Kellyanne Conway, mm. <laughs> hear me out. <laughs> so yeah. as you know, this week, um, it was announced that the attorney general fired, um, or the president fired, um, the FBI, the former FBI chief, um, which there's a lot of like, clamor and um, suspicions around why and, you know, things with Russia. But uh, there was an interview done on Anderson Cooper's show, Anderson Cooper 360, and he interviewed uh, Kellyanne Conway. uh, And they were reviewing the memo that the um, attorney general uh, wrote and made public as to what led to the decision of firing um, the former FBI chief. And we all know Kellyanne's tactics, uh, or I wouldn't even say tactics. Before, we've just been really upset with her inability to answer questions directly um, when being interviewed, and also saying things that are just not true. But this interview with Anderson Cooper, uh, I have now realized why uh, journalists are so frustrated with her, is that her ability to deflect mm-hmm. is oh my gosh is so mischievous like we she she can um respond to a question and take a piece of that question and only respond to a part of it and kind of just like convolute what you're saying or then or make you feel um inadequate with your words or your way of thinking or logic um and so like for example um Anderson Cooper was trying to make this, you know, trying to imply that the people are thinking that, you know, we fired the FBI FBI uh, chief because he was leading an investigation into uh, the uh, Russia being involved into the campaign. And Kellyanne was constantly saying, why are we talking about the campaign? Trump... um, Trump was, uh, you know, a different person in the, or, or was implying Trump was a different person in the campaign. And she's like, this is about integrity. This is about uh, Trump not um, believing in the, uh, you know, in this man and um, the integrity of the FBI. And then Anderson Cooper is like, so 
Trump back in the campaign and Trump versus now is not the same person. Like, what are you talking about? And she kept on saying, you know, she kept on reiterating the reporting structure. The deputy attorney general reports to the attorney general and the attorney general reports to the president. And really, this was the attorney general's decision. Trump was just acting on his recommendations and he just got to read the memo. And Anderson Cooper's like, I am reading the memo according to paragraph three. And she's like, it's not really about the memo. It's like this going in all these circles and i can now see why people who support her views or the you know the right-wing views there is something to her logic that is actually kind of right in a very very like messed up way and then i'm used to hearing the liberal side i know what anderson cooper is trying to attack and pinpoint but I also understand why he's trapped. Like he can't, it's like that that mole game in the arcade when you're trying to like hit the whack-a-mole and like, she, <laughs> like whack-a-mole. she just knows how to dodge all the bullets. And so if you're a journalist, if you're a lawyer, if you're uh, investigate, I don't know, if you, you're in the business where scheming is appropriate, like this, <laughs> this is the skill to have. So I commend the skill where it's sometimes needed, but... Um, I still um, do not support Kellyanne Conway, um, but I just had to point this out. That's that's kind of a boss skill that is kind of negative, but it's sometimes great to have. <laughs> You're funny. All right, um, that's all I got. All right, so I have a few. Uh, I'll start off with the bitches because I think I only have one boss. So... Because um, I'm calling them bitches because I get the thing wrong every week or every time we record. So that's fine. So bitch to um, the governor of Texas, Greg Abbott. So I saw this week that there was a travel advisory that went out from the ACLU about the state of Texas. Um, and their governor has seemingly signed a controversial bill into law um, that bans, number one, sanctuary cities. And that it also... Um, allows police officers to ask the immigration status of every person they detain, which you already know means they're about to detain a whole bunch of people for no fucking reason at all, and then try to um, remove them from this country. So fuck, Texas is problematic in a variety of ways. I have family there, but it is problematic uh, from the top to the bottom, the east to the west. So to hell and bitch to the governor, Greg Abbott, for um being a bitch the end of story so that's the first one so if you haven't read that if you if you hop on the good old friend google and if you just look at aclu texas travel ban all of the information will come up there but it's just another reason to, to racially profile people um to ask people's immigration status for what reason for probably minor offenses if any offense whatsoever but it just kind of opens up the playing field for um, law enforcement agents who are in the state of Texas to be assholes. So there is another thing. Um, let's see. My next one is, this is kind of funny, so I don't know if it's a boss or a bitch, but let's just call it a bitch because it's hilarious. So uh, recent, in the very recent uh, last day or so, or a few days, um, Bow Wow, so you know Bow Wow, right? Oh, I know this. <laughs> Little Bow Wow, Bow Wow. So he apparently posted a picture on, I want to say, it was either, I don't know if it was his Instagram or Snapchat or whatever, but basically a private plane with a car that was pulled up to it and was like something around like boss life or something or like 
you know, jet being in the sky, you know, jet set and whatever. And then it had come out shortly thereafter. So he had put this out on social media. It had come out shortly thereafter that the, that picture was actually a stock picture from Google Images. And it was of a um, a company that does uh, private transportation services that's located in the state of Florida. And so it's like the exact picture on an ad for this company who either private uh, jet, they do, I think, private car rentals or something like that, or limousine rentals. Um, and so now there's a hashtag called hashtag Bow Wow Challenge. And it's hilarious. If you have not seen it yet, I would encourage you to take a look at it. But it's all these images of people who are basically faking the funk, acting like they stung. So uh, oh it's just gosh. really, really funny. And then how are you going to get caught doing that? Like, do better, like, or don't do it at all. Like, we all know that you're struggling Bow Wow. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, but you just have to own it and like stun at your level. That's that stun at your level. Like lots of us do it and you are no different. So um, again, I don't know if that's a boss or a bitch. I just thought it was fucking hilarious. Um, my third bitch is for um, the, what is she? The secretary of education, um, Betsy DeVos. <laughs> Somehow she was... I don't even say she was chosen. She bought her way into being the commencement speaker at Bethune-Cookman for the 2017 graduating class. Um, Bethune-Cookman is a an HBCU, a, I believe, in the state of Florida. Florida, Texas. Oh, Lord. Shock yep. and awe. Um, and essentially, the graduating class. So she got up there, and I couldn't... She was only up there for a few moments. And then the graduating class started booing and then stood up and then faced their, their backs to her while she was attempting to be like, I'm so honored to be here. And I'm glad to be, I don't know if they were giving her an honorary degree or whatever, but she's like, I'm so glad I'm going to become a insert uh, mascot, whatever. And they booed so loud that she had to stop speaking and she couldn't finish. <laughs> so um, I've seen a lot of stuff basically on Twitter. Lovey posted an article that I'm not finished. Uh, uh, or oh, a, a, a think I started reading that. <laughs> yeah, I didn't finish, I but know. I saw, I've seen the video parts. Um, but then there's a meme of, uh, I don't know if it's the president of there, basically trying to tell the students to sit down and low-key not to be disrespectful. Um, and there's all these memes that are fucking hilarious around the things that he was saying. He is basically, this is so terrible. And I don't even, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but he's like, shush all you people. You don't want the master to take your freedom papers. Um, <laughs> but again, <laughs> so inappropriate, but so funny. Like, I love the internet and Lord, we should all know that that's Black Twitter at, at its finest. Like, at the peak of Black Twitterness, that was it. Um, there's like five or six other ones, but I internally and externally chuckled when I read that because I was like, these are facts. This is accurate. Um, so bitch to Betsy DeVos, who, again, I don't know how much she paid to be able to do that. Cause I can't, I can't imagine someone inviting her to speak at a, a third year old's, you know, a three-year-old's birthday party, let alone a commencement speech at an HBCU. We're talking about, this was where uh, charter school came, you know, this is the beginning of charter schools. Cause people couldn't, I'm like, that's not, that's not what that is. Like, so stop saying that um, because right. you sound like an idiot every time you say like, 
this was the beginning of people kind of advocating for shut up and sit down. So uh, uh, that was my, uh, I think my third and final uh, bitch. So, but my boss of the week is, or for this episode is Sally Yates. So Sally Yates is a career prosecutor who was most recently um, the acting attorney gen- acting attorney general for um, the current administration while they were working to confirm um, Jeff, I'm a racist, Sessions. So she had spent 20 years with the Department of Justice, had served under uh, President Obama, and has been doing avid work with the Department of Justice, like I said, for over 20 years. And she was asked to stay on by the current administration and number 45, again, until um, Jeff Amaracis Sessions was confirmed, which Lord knows that took forever. She was abruptly fired um, sometime, what was this, in January, early February. Um, Basically, it all boils down. They don't give a reason because apparently this administration doesn't have to give reasons for anything. But basically, she was like, yeah, no, 45, I'm not going to uphold your um, bitch ass travel ban um, because it doesn't line up with the principles of the Department of Justice. And she felt it to be unlawful, which was part of her role. And so she was recently um, a part of a hearing that was three hours, some 300 some odd questions. And she basically read these bitches for filth. It's specifically, I want to say his name is Ted Cruz. And I can't remember if that's his, his, if that's the one. But basically was like low-key reading the fuck out of these people who had no idea what her role was, what she said she would do when she committed to this position and took the oath and was like, if the president of the United States, regardless of the president, if I feel like they are doing something or lawful or doesn't stand up to what the Department of Justice you know, historically believes in, then I will say no and not uphold it. So, of course, you know, for the baby 45 got mad and then fired her. But she was like, so, so she's a Southern white woman who does that kind of Southern nice shit. But she was so clear and crisp and calm. And again, read each of these bitches for filth because they didn't know what the fuck they were talking about. And it was, it was a wonderful example of, Y'all don't know what y'all doing. And I'm going to come in here and read y'all. And I'm going to be professional as shit about this. I'm not even going to raise my voice, even though you don't know what you're talking about. So boss ass hats off to Sally Yates for standing up for what she believes in and basically giving one of the best professional reads of all time over a three hour period and being like, I said what I said, what I said, I don't work here anymore. So I can certainly continue to say what I believe to be true. So hats off to her. Um, she, she is my hero for the time being. So there you go. Uh, yay. Thank you for ending this on a positive note because, <laughs> ooh, this world. Yay, Sally yeah, right? Okay. Well, thank you for listening. That concludes our show. I'm going to leave you with the usual footnotes. Uh, please, please, please follow us on all the socials. Uh, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, we're also, um, you can email us any questions at headbosspodcast at gmail.com. You can listen to us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, and now, new announcement, we are on Google Play. Google Play. 
So for all you Android users, you can download our show on on the Google Play Store or Android Store. Uh, And then, uh, as usual, just have conversations with us. Give us feedback. We want to know how we're doing. So uh, we will see you and hear from you next week. Bye. Bye. I'm the biggest boss that you've seen thus far. I'm the, I'm the biggest boss that you've seen thus far.